0: Hello, and welcome to the Quantum Realm, where we break down the movies and shows of the Marvel Cinematic Universe piece by piece, in release order. Together, we'll celebrate the stories, moments, and characters that we've come to know and love. My name is Jacob Devlin, and for this podcast, I will be your watcher, your guide through these vast new realities. Greetings to the multiverse and welcome back again to the quantum realm. Let's dive right in. So, we have had a blast visiting the origins of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, going to Iron Man. We talked about the Incredible Hulk last week, Bruce Banner. At the end of today, we will have met our first half of the original roster of Avengers and finished through half of phase one. So before we dive into Iron Man 2, I have a new co-host. So I'm really excited to introduce a friend who I have known for a very long time. And so Avon Van Hassel, how are you doing? And thank you for joining me today.
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for inviting me. This is going to be so much fun.
0: Definitely. It's going to be a blast. Um, So we were just chatting right now about how we have known each other for like seven or eight years now. We met on Scribafile, on our writing community, and it's been a beautiful friendship since then on the internet. Um, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So tell the world all about your passion projects and your books and just the fun things that you have going on.
1: So I am a self-published author on most, well, entirely on Amazon, and I have some freebies on my actual website, my author website, avon.hassle.com. My series that's out on Amazon is The Bean Seller Saga, and it follows the adventures of the man who sold Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, the magic beans that would eventually become the beanstalk and all the nonsense that happens after that. So, the first three books, Magic Beans, Golden, and Siren Song, are available for ebook and paperback. And the paperbacks actually come with a donation included that goes to One Tree Planted, which is a reforestation charity. So, that's something that I've gotten really militant about lately. <laughs> uh, I also host a podcast with my best friend. It's called My Favorite Redhead, and it is a viewing sort of thing about i love lucy where we go through every episode of the show in order and basically she explains the whole show and then we have a little discussion about the impact from writing and culture and all of that so those are the two main things that i'm doing right now out there
0: wonderful so you love lucy basically
1: Uh, getting there yeah (laughs) I'm the noob. She's the, she's the expert and she's introducing me to everything. So
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And I got to <laughs> tell you, all I love Avon's book series. She's written so much fun things. If you love fairy tales, twisted fairy tales, it's a very immersive world. It takes you through kind of the history and, you know, it feels very timely. You can kind of feel yourself in that time period. So it's oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Of course, definitely. Um, so on that note, do you have a favorite Lucille Ball quote?
1: I actually one of my favorite epi- one of my favorite quotes from the show um, kind of I feel like encapsulates the spirit of at least the first season. There's one episode where Lucy's doing something quite normal for once, and Ethel comes in with a plan for shenanigans, and she lays it out and Lucy says, "Who do you think you are me?"
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
1: She's very self aware.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I found one that I thought was very fitting for this whole journey that we're doing. So I don't know the context of it. Maybe you've seen it mentioned at some point, but she said, it's a hell of a start being able to recognize what makes you happy and oh, I just, yeah. you know, it's so wholesome and heartwarming. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right, Um, so today we are diving into the third movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We get to revisit Tony Stark, and so we'll be chatting about Iron Man 2, which premiered in U.S. theaters in 2010, May 7th, actually, so that was two years and five days after (laughs) Iron Man 1 um so Avon do you remember watching this for the first time 12 years ago now we're coming up on our 12 year anniversary of that movie so
1: I actually do it's funny because when you pitch the idea of me coming on this show and you're like you can do the Incredible Hulk or you can do Iron Man 2 and I was like Iron Man 2 is actually my favorite of the series for reasons I know it's bad it is bad but it is my favorite because it was the first one that I saw and I was living in the UK at the time and a friend of mine was like we're gonna go see Iron Man 2 and I was like it's a comic book movie like okay like I liked the Toby Maguire Spider-Man and I liked the X-Men movies but I was like I'm really more of a Lord of the Rings girl but she was like no you gotta go because she has a huge crush on Robert Downey Jr. and I was like Ugh. So <laughs> she made me watch Iron Man 1 in preparation for Iron Man 2 and I was like all right all right this is fine and we ended up going and i actually had a really great time so it just kind of like it keeps bringing back all of those memories so iron man one was the first and it technically technically was the first for me but it was in the context of the sequel
0: that's awesome, yeah, I um, I have interesting memories of watching this one for the first time because I had seen Iron Man 1 in the theater, I saw Incredible Hulk in the theater, and then when this one came out, I was in college wrapping up my freshman year, and I, for some reason, didn't go see this one in the theater, so this is one mm. of four MCU movies that I didn't actually see in theater. so Iron oh, no. Man 2 and 3, and then Thor 1 and 2, I never watched in the theater, um, and so, A funny thing happened where at the end of the summer, around August or September, there was this welcome back sort of event at the University of Arizona, and they screened Iron Man 2 on the University Mall, so this big screen, you know, stretch of grass, and they had this um, blow-up projector screen and they they showed Iron Man 2 and that was when I went to watch it for the first time but I I remember the experience of watching the movie more than I remember the movie itself like when I came yeah. back and we watched it I remember it was like watching a whole different thing for me because yeah um I kind of was- had
1: a similar thing with Thor because I didn't get to see it in theaters and the first place I saw it was actually on a plane
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the the screen was so bad. I was like, this is just a black screen. I'm just hearing accents.
0: I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> that was exactly what happened when I watched Iron Man 2. So the, the lights went, like it wasn't dark enough to really watch the movie well enough. And they were trying to project a widescreen movie on mm-hmm. a square screen, but fill it up. And so what I remember most about watching this movie was when like five minutes in, we cut to the, you know, the the titles of Iron Man 2. But I remember that going up and I vividly remember. Remember the guy behind me going, "Ron, man," <laughs> that cut off so much of the science. <laughs> so, that's funny. Yeah, so that's the thing that I remember best about watching Iron Man two, and I, I feel like I must have given it another try at some point. But I just remembered absolutely nothing about it until I watched it about a week ago, and so it was fun yeah. to kind of see it for the first time almost. <laughs> so.
1: This one and the first Avengers movie are probably the ones I've seen the most, and not just over the last week, just like generally. Uh-huh. Just because, well, I did some illegal things to rewatch the Avengers. <laughs> let's just put it that way.
0: But <laughs> I won't tell anyone. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So, um, so it's been about twelve years now. Um, at the time, this one had a seventy-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it didn't do quite as well as Iron Man one. But but you really enjoyed it. Was it mostly just because of like the memory, like getting this one kind of being your intro, or?
1: Personally, I also kind of feel like these first few movies, I can't say anything about the Hulk because I haven't seen it and I kind of forgot that it happened because at the time they said there was a new Hulk movie out and I was like, wasn't there just one like three years ago? I thought they were the same one. I thought it was the Eric Bana one and Mm -hmm. I was so confused later on in the series. I was like, who are all these Hulks? What's going on? Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So I feel like these first few probably leading up to the Avengers were there was a different tone than all the ones that came afterwards and so this was one of the early ones that has that kind of like nostalgic summertime feel mm-hmm. before everything got really dark so I think that's partially why because I, I just restarted rewatching Iron Man 3 just now while I was getting ready for this and I was like yeah there's a whole different tone it's still an Iron Man movie but it's just it's not as fun
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, there is a totally different tone to all of these phase one movies. And if you watch these now, after everything that we have, Mm -hmm. uh, since, you know, phase three and four started, it's a totally different experience now. Um, But it'll be fun revisiting this and talking about kind of the evolution of Tony Stark and what happens in this movie. So... Um, so let's go ahead and dive in then, um, and so I did a three-act analysis again, we both rewatched the movie twice, which I'm really excited about, so um, so we open up with sequence one, uh, um, just like Iron Man 1, which was pretty much structurally perfect, um, this movie opens up where you get a lot of really great information in 15 minutes, um, so sequence one I describe as where we're catching up with Tony, and so um, be, before we even see him again, we get about five minutes visiting the Venkos, and so um, we we open up with the last few minutes of Iron Man 1. We We hear the press conference that he's doing where he's revealing his identity as Iron Man to the world. We cut to Moscow, Russia, where a dying man is watching this reveal on live TV. And so we're picking up immediately at the end of Iron Man 1. Um, and his son Ivan comes in and tells him that should be you up there. And so we kind of get a glimpse of these two before Anton passes away. Um, so what did you think about this introduction to the Venkos? I loved it.
1: I, I love a foil. First of all, he's got a very Fortinbras broad kind of feel in that he's he was who Tony Stark should have been. And that's another reason why I really love this one is because in the first movie, because it's the beginning, there's really not much for Tony to push against. Whereas this one really sets up that, oh, there's a contender to Iron Man. Mm -hmm. So we don't know who Yvonne and Anton Van Gogh are yet, but I do love that kind of like, you know, the, the prince who could have been kind of in a totally different environment and, but I mean, you can already see the seeds of what's going to happen. And also I love the press conference, so I don't hate revisiting it.
0: Definitely, yeah. And I love how you described the, this prince that could have been. I think that's mm-hmm. a beautiful way of putting it. And just so much intrigue behind this line. That should have been you. It just makes you yeah. know what's going on with that. And, and so,
2: yeah.
0: um, and then so we get the sequence of Ivan unfolding a Stark schematic and the sequence of him hammering away with this cool little helper bird in his apartment. <laughs> I want
1: to know that bird's name.
0: I don't think we ever learned the name, huh? And it's
1: terrible. It's such an important character to his, <laughs> like his, ba- well, not his backstory, but like his other life besides just what's on the screen. This, like, we can't give him a name.
0: Right. <laughs> He's obsessed you get the plot with it. line, bird. but not name. True. <laughs> and so, um, and I really enjoyed the sequence. It, it was such a cool mirror to everything that happened in Iron Man One. All the sequences of Tony hammering away his mm-hmm. own suit in the caves, and um, it, there's a lot of cool parallels where we see oh, yeah. uh, uh, Yvonne hammering uh, his project in his apartment, while we're also being treated to all of these clippings of Tony's life on his wall. So we see mm-hmm. like everything that happened in the first movie just gets. Projected up on that wall in a very natural way. You know, we don't have to spend a lot of time revisiting everything that happened, which is really cool. Because as there a writer, are still a lot of that.
1: questions, like how does he have the Stark schematics and all of that, and like where does he have all this know-how to be able to build? You know, like you guys were talking about in uh, the Iron Man one. You know, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is what does Yvonne have, and why why does he have all of that knowledge and
0: material? Exactly. Yeah. So so that's a good point to bring up too. Um and so we we see him tinkering away, and that's what cuts to our title credits. And we pick up six months later with Tony Stark in his Iron Man suit landing in a crowded stadium in Flushing, New York for his Stark expo. Mm-hmm. And he's just living the life, basking in fame. He has these cheerleaders and he is drinking it up. He is so happy about what's going on in his life now. And so he gets up and he boasts about how the world has seen its longest period of uninterrupted world peace ever since he revealed himself as Iron Man. and makes this point to to say that it's not about him, it's not about the people in the audience, it's not about us, it's about leaving a legacy for future generations. And so that really sets up a really strong theme in the movie where um, legacy just keeps on enduring. And I think in Tony's overall MCU arc where he's gonna go from here, there's this really strong emphasis on his legacy. And so so I really think that was a really important moment for him. Um, And so he's enjoying his expo. He treats the audience to a montage and, uh, you know, some information on his father, a message that his father had left for them on um, the 74 Expo. And he goes backstage and a little device mysteriously tells him that he's at 19% blood toxicity. And so we know right away that there's something wrong. You have a ticking clock. A ticking clock, yeah, <laughs> I think that's, I always love when a movie can work that in, it makes it, mm-hmm. feel, you know, it picks up the pace when you know that yeah. there's that clock ticking, so. Um, and then a little bit after that, as the expo is wrapping up, we get our Stan Lee cameo, I always have mm-hmm. to po- point those out, he's Larry King this time, and I had to rewind and like pause, I'm like, was that Larry King or was that Stan Lee? Right,
2: you're right. <laughs>
0: yeah, so. Um, so a very fun cameo from, from Stanley coming back. First he was Hugh Hefner and then he becomes Larry King of this movie. Yeah. So <laughs> um, Tony is then summoned to appear before the Senate. And this is just a very memorable scene now that I've had the chance to, you know, sit down and pay attention to the movie. Um, I, I love I have this a much scene.
1: broader like appreciation of C-SPAN since the Trump era than I ever did before. So like re-watching, I actually quite enjoyed this. Yeah, <laughs> This kind of reminded me of like the hearings that we had back in 2021 and all of that.
0: Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah, so so very fun court scene where essentially the government wants Tony to turn over the Iron Man suit and put it in their control. Um, so we get an introduction to Senator Stern, who um, will will end up coming back for another movie. He's going to be in Captain America, um, the, the Winter Soldier, and so... Uh, he's kind of the, one of the antagonists of this movie. He's uh, asking Tony to turn over the suit, trying to make a case for why it doesn't belong to him. It should be in the government's hands. And Tony's just not having it. He's working the crowd and he's <laughs> being the cool guy, and everyone's just you know getting a big kick out of it. So, <laughs> um, and we get and that's yeah. when we meet Justin Hammer too. That's when we we meet Justin Hammer. Yeah, so uh, really he's interesting. Is another foil. Yeah, another foil for Tony. Um, so he's supposed to be our weapons expert in the room. And it's fun that he got to be in this movie because Sam Rockwell was actually uh, one of the people in line to pay, play Tony Stark a long time ago. And so, God, can you imagine? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah it would be such a different franchise the mcd would look so different if it,
1: i know but you know, it's kind of it's mean. kind of cute that they let him have this that's kind of nice
0: right so wholesome like he gets to come yeah. back to the role.
1: <laughs> you still get to be in the movie you don't get any good lines but you get to be in the
0: movie <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so we get justin hammer as the weapons expert um and he tries to make a case to the crowd that he Doesn't necessarily feel safe uh, with Iron Man being the protector. That you know, Iron Man thinks that he's a shield, but really he's kind of a a sword. Or was it the other way around? (laughs) Something about a sword and a shield. So um,
1: he's a sword, but he's he's marketing himself as a shield.
0: Right. Yeah, marketing himself as a shield. Um, so we get our intro to him and then Rhodey comes back and I just love this introduction where now it's Don Cheadle, it's a totally brand brand new face. And he addresses We're not going to
1: comment on it. We're just going to let it happen. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) But I love his line to Tony, which I think is even more for the audience where he says, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's move on. (laughs) I'm like, all right, Don Cheadle.
1: Good job. (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> so so Rodi is asked to show his images of the sites where people are trying to create copies of the Iron Man suit, and so they're kind of using him against. Tony, or trying to do so, but mm-hmm. um, but Tony just so brilliantly hacks the TV screen and shows everybody that the the tech that people are commenting on, it's way behind his, including Justin Hammers, says mm-hmm. something about, how oh, all these other countries are maybe 10 years away from having an Iron Man. Hammers probably 20 years away yeah. from having an Iron Man. Um, I'd like
1: to point out that test pilot survived.
0: <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> Um, and a really cool thing about when he's on his phone getting ready to pull up he uses the shield app to hack the tv but um but there's also this illuminati app that's on his phone which has these oh great... i
1: didn't notice that cool yeah. grab
0: yeah and so so that has comic book ties of course he's a member of this super secret organization called the illuminati with it's charles because
1: he's like notoriously not a team player
0: right yeah he doesn't have seen that
1: he's not a joiner
0: yeah that's an interesting point i didn't think about how off, kind of off-character that is for him, so uh, keeping these secrets from the world, you know, being part of the Illuminati, and uh, I don't want to feel the rumor mill on, on here, but but I'm told that that's supposed to be a big part of the Doctor Strange movie coming up, the Illuminati oh, appearing, so. Um,
1: well, he is very wealthy, so I can imagine him being part of the Illuminati anyway. Right. <laughs>
0: absolutely so so all of this has happened in 15 minutes we get a really great introduction to some of the conflict coming up we we understand that the the government versus stark is going to be a thing you know Mm -hmm. battling for control of the suits Um, we get most of the key characters back Um,
1: and there's already a bit of tension between him and pepper because he's being immature
0: in front of congress and she's like dude can you not that's true, yeah. She's there as the voice of reason again, mm-hmm. like, yo, no, let's, let's not do this, Tony, but he doesn't care. <laughs> um, and so, sequence two, we get kind of this new sequence where he's designating, or he's turning over Stark Industries to Pepper. And along the way, we, we get him tinkering in the lab, he has a ton of new suits in different cases, And he's still being mean to his poor little robot, his robot, (laughs) telling him that he's going to turn it into um, a wine rack or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's still testing his blood toxicity, and it's already gone up since the expo. So he went from significantly. Yeah, from 19 to 24% in about a day or two. Um, So he's taking these medicines, whatever is in that. And working with Jarvis to understand what's going on in his body, and so I think that um, this scene with Jarvis does a really great job of summarizing it up to the audience really quick, where he um, just tells him, "Hey, there's a lot of palladium in your body, and what's the thing that's keeping you alive is also the thing that's killing you." <laughs> so
2: yeah.
0: the, the element that he uses for his arc reactor is not mm. very healthy for him. So um, more tension with Pepper because she doesn't know that any any of this is going on. He's keeping the secret from her. So.
1: Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also shows some of his self-destructive behaviors because he's donated his entire modern art collection to the Boy Scouts of America. So it's just one of those things that we see a lot of times in um, people who, shall we say, don't have a lot of hope for the future. Uh, they tend to liquidate a lot of assets. They tend to put a lot of plans in motion, you know what I mean? Just sort of kind of like not necessarily preparing for their own future, shall we say.
0: Right, yeah, and it made me think a little bit about one of the first interactions between Tony and Pepper in Iron Man 1 was where they were talking about buying a piece of art, a Jackson mm-hmm. Pollock painting, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of a connection between them, you know, kind of collecting art, and she was curating it, yeah. and had this collection going for years and years, and now he's just donating it and putting it up, putting up different, like, images of himself, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So all of this is going on, and while she's getting flustered about his reckless actions, he kind of makes this, it's probably not an on-the-fly decision, he's probably been thinking about this for a while, but that's when he turns over his um, yeah. the CEO title to her and says, you're going to be the CEO of Stark Industries, you can take yeah. care of this better than I can. <laughs> Yes, and at that point we get Natalie Rushman, in quotes, the the notary also in quotes, coming in.
1: And this scene, oh boy, did not age well. There are a couple of scenes in this movie that I'm rewatching and I'm like, oh yeah, this is before me too, isn't it? (laughs) Yikes.
0: Yeah, that would not go over so well today. Huh? Um, this whole thing with Natalie Rushman, um, mm-hmm. where she comes in and he is Googling slash ogling her and just being yeah. obsessed with, with Scarlett Johansson. And like
1: pestering her to fight happy and like making jokes and stuff.
0: with suggestive comments. True, yeah. And then everything that he Googles, it pulls up all of these. He's like just staring at her modeling photos. And yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, but she will become very important, not just in this movie, but in the overall MCU. So our first intro to Natalie Rushman—I think that's one of the most important parts of, of sequence 2. Uh, but I just love where she she totally kicks Happy's butt when yeah. she gets in the ring, and and he thinks that he's going to like teach her a lesson, and she's like, yep. "Nope." And she just spoils it. A little bit of foreshadowing there, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so. Um, at that point, they they cut to this big scene in Monaco, and I'm still not entirely clear why they end up going to Monaco and why everybody's there. But um, but they're all going to Monaco together, and we just <laughs> there are ex-
1: a lot of things that just kind of they just did.
0: <laughs> so, right, they're like, don't question it. They,
1: they got to blow that budget somehow, so we're going to Monaco.
0: Going to Monaco, yeah. <laughs> So there's a big party there and pretty much everybody is there. So Natalie Rushman in quotes comes back and she's, um seems like she's taking a role in Stark Industries, kind of organizing part of his itinerary, working with Pepper, um, trying to get them a, a nice table to eat dinner at at 9.30 and he's gonna show up at 11.
1: Mm-hmm. Fashionably uh, <laughs> late. Right.
0: <laughs> um, Justin Hammer is there, Christine Everhart from Iron Man 1 is there and there's God this- Elon Musk gorgeous.
1: is there. <laughs> that also didn't age well.
0: Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, so, so everybody's there, and his blood toxicity is going up even more. It's almost it's more than doubled, 53%, when he goes and looks in the mirror and checks his toxicity again. and um, So he decides to be totally reckless and do the race cars. And he, he just has a race car there for him already, and that has his name on it. <laughs> And of course, of course, and he's going to get on the track.
1: You got to sponsor a car at the Grand Prix.
0: Very true. So, so he decides he's going to do the race cars, and true to any good third sequence to wrap up Act One, it's this really memorable. Um, set piece where we get mm-hmm. Ivan back and he knows everything about Tony so he knows that Tony's going to be out on the track and he just straight up walks out onto the track in, in a suit powered by his new arc reactor and he just starts whipping cars in half and causing mayhem and so <laughs> um, what, what did you think of, of this whole scene when Ivan comes up and
1: I, I remember in the theaters so I was like "How how, how blue am I because I I'm a blue lady. I remember being very impressed <laughs> by the graphics and all all of that. Just like when the back of his shirt like catches fire because of the arc reactor that he's got in his little whippy things, I thought that was like, "Whoa, how are we gonna get out of this?" I was yeah, I was very impressed.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> <it>. So <laughs> so what does those seem things right?
1: seem so impractical though? How do you not catch your own ankle?
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like,
1: No, he's like, he's sturdy, because he's like Mickey Work, but we don't really see him like working out or doing like Krav Maga. Like, how does he keep his body parts out of the way? Like, he doesn't look particularly nimble.
0: <laughs> that's a good point. I would be so afraid to use those things and like whip myself in the eye or something. I
1: know. Just, that would be my life. Uh, yeah, that's just, I can't do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but, but Mickey Rourke can can do it with ease, and so he's yeah. just whipping, whipping the cars in half and blowing things up, walking away from the explosions without looking at them, because that's what you do in these movies. Of course, you can't look. Don't look, no. no. <laughs> um, and Happy and Pepper arrive uh, racing against the cars. I thought that was just a really
1: fun movie. I just love Happy with his big, chunky town car, like just... <laughs> Zipping around all these like little Grand Prix race cars and they're just like getting out of his way and I'm like it's like a bowling ball just and somehow he manages to get there in time
0: just in time
1: just in time
0: yeah go happy I just love that he had more of a role in this movie of course like he had the biggest role as the director but he didn't really get yeah. the top much in Iron Man 1 so yeah nice to, nice to see him shine in this movie and be yeah. him so um, so he arrives with Pepper, they have the suit in this cool little case that they're trying to get to him, while there's the big showcase or showdown between mm-hmm. Iron Man and Yvonne, and so there's the whips going and Tony's trying to get out of the way and not die from all yeah. these whips, <laughs> and after they whip Happy's car in half and slice it into many different parts, they finally get the suit over to him, and so now we have Iron Man back and there's the big... Yep. Showdown a big brawl and pew-pews and lasers <laughs> between, <laughs> between Iron Man and Yvonne. Um, so Tony in theory he wins, but mm-hmm. Ivan sees it or Yvonne sees it differently and says, you lose. <laughs> yeah. Um so they they send Yvonne to prison and nobody has any record of who he is. Um, and Senator Stern goes on TV feeling all smug because he's mm-hmm. essentially been proven right. He feels that there are all these dangers coming up. There's new suits and, and other dangers using this kind of technology, and Iron Man can't protect them from everybody, so, so really nice close to act one. We have all yeah. of that up in, in about a third of the movie. So, it so. was
1: a fun scene when, when they get there on the case the the one thing about it that I noticed this time, and I started to notice it in other places too, is first of all in the opening scene when when Tony arrives at the Stark Expo, how like CGI has changed because I was like, oh that suit, she doesn't look as good as she did in twenty ten. But this time it's like when he stomps on the briefcase and it just does a like that takes so long. Like Yvonne's just what standing there just being like, you know, wait, take as long as you need, like. I have issues with the design of the suit to begin with, but I think I up with the original designers of the comics. But (laughs) okay, I'm going to say it because it's going to bug me if I don't. Yeah. That suit does not accommodate a human body. Like, can you imagine what your joints would be like? Because everything's displaced because of the armor. Like, all of your joints would just pop out unless you had like a soft, flexible panel, like on the inner arms and the thighs. But then, of course, that's a weak spot. So. there is a point later in this film for those who haven't seen it where we address this issue and I'll just say I agree with the solution the other person came up with. But.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. (laughs) So so ultimately I love act one of the movie. We get a lot of action. We get a lot of good points and just everything Mm -hmm. we need to know. Um, Act two, I feel is a little bit slow.
1: Um, Really? Act two is my favorite.
0: You love it? Yeah. <laughs> Good. It does have my favorite scene in act two. Um, oh, it but...
1: has like three of my favorite scenes in quick succession.
0: <laughs> nice. So, so I love everything that comes next with the sequence for Tony's birthday. That's about the next 10, 15 minutes is just his increasing irresponsibility and kind of, um, everything that's going on in his head now that he, He's dying, you know. His uh, I, I didn't write down where his blood um, concentration gets to it, but but it gets pretty high right before his birthday. It's like eighty something, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so we get Justin Hammer breaking Ivan af- out of prison, and they have this big meeting. Um, Ivan just really super wants his bird. Uh, Justin wants to un- one up Tony and you know be build tech that's better than his and have some suits just like mm-hmm. Tony. So so they kind of stricken this deal where um, Ivan's gonna gonna help him. They're gonna work together and build these suits. Now that Ivan is free, like they they kind of owe each other. They feel so. Um, and so cut back to Tony having, um, getting ready for his birthday. Well, you know, not, Natalie and Pepper have been fielding all these concerns about Iron Man as protector. There's the the TV showing all of these um, criticisms of him and they're, they're on the phone just trying to defend him. Um, that's pretty much the whole movie for them is just trying to defend Tony <laughs> Stark, so.
1: He's not gone off the rails and I know <laughs> it looks like he's gone off the rails, but he hasn't, he's got a plan and it's fine.
0: everything is fine (laughs) little dog cartoon (laughs) (laughs) everything is fine (laughs) so um so he has this little meeting with natalie and he's thinking about canceling his birthday because of how sick he is but then he asks natalie if you if hypothetically this was going to be your last birthday ever what would you do and she tells him to just do whatever he wants with whatever he whoever he wants to Mm -hmm. Um, I I kind of wonder. Do you think maybe that she was testing him in that moment?
1: Uh, it's so hard to say because on the one hand, you know, knowing what we know now about Natalie, <laughs> um, maybe. But on the other hand, like she's so hypersexualized up to this point that it's like I can't help but wonder if she's just like just being flirty. Because they haven't given the reveal yet, and I, I don't feel like they've set up the reveal. I feel like they wanted it to be a shock. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. it doesn't read to me as, as foreshadowing, but I can see how, how you would see it that way
0: yeah so that's a good point she's very hard to read it throughout this movie and um the and tony keeps on talking about like i can't get a read on you mm-hmm. you're this way and you're this way <laughs> and, um and so i i kind of have this theory that she was testing him based on something that happens at the end of the movie but yeah um, but it could i could also see your point where maybe she's just being flirty, like do what you want with who you want <laughs> yeah stuff. And so, so he takes this as his cue to get super, super drunk at his yeah. birthday.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's what she meant. Regardless of what she <laughs> meant, I don't think that was it.
0: I don't think that was it either. <laughs> um, but, but Tony's going to do what he wants. And so he gets super drunk makes a total fool out of himself in front of everybody he has a huge crowd here and Rody is just so mad because he just vouched for him on the phone mm-hmm. with the, the government says like yo tony's responsible and he's going to be ready for you know defense and yeah. um, we've got him under control right? <laughs> but this just in he is not under control <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's super drunk and um so rhodes is firing just guns firing guns yeah, actually, yeah blowing up the the bottles and all watermelon. those things. watermelon yeah. um so Rhodes is so mad and goes and confronts him and so deeming him unworthy of wearing the armor he gets in a suit of his own and the two have a big old brawl in Tony's house and break like absolutely everything, everything. and <laughs> they break everything and this is my favorite scene of the movie I love uh, a big brawl between two friends that feels like it has real like consequences yeah. which is funny because I'm not the kind of person who would ever fight with my friends but I love seeing yeah. it on, on a movie like yeah fight 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's why I like Civil War so much <laughs> could
1: be could be I do like this one though because it does mirror the fight with Bonko, because it's a point I was gonna make later, but I'll make it now, why not? At the beginning of the Stark Expo, I feel like that that moment is like the high point of Tony's life because at that point, he has found his purpose because in Iron Man 1, he's just come back from also being self-destructive for a large period as rich kids often are. And he's kind of like reevaluating and re-figuring uh, out his position within Stark Enterprises. So he's got that locked down. And he's Iron Man, there's like, there's no one standing in his way. As far as he knows, at this point in the canon, he is the only superhero in the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the high point. And then when he's in Monaco, then he bumps up against Banco and now mm-hmm. there's a real threat. There's an actual real threat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now, bumping up against Rhodey, there's another real threat because Rhodey is not just his best friend and knows how to power the suits but he's in the military. So mm-hmm. Tony has an enemy, and now one of his greatest allies is also an enemy. So and he went very quickly from being completely unrivaled to all of a sudden having two rivals. So, no. yeah. and Rody does kind of represent the military in that they were kind of off his back before, but now they have his suit. So mm-hmm. I did like, there's kind of a, I'm, my words aren't coming to me today. But there is that kind of emotional depth of fighting with Brody. Is like, God, not you. Like of anybody, not you. Like I've already got all this other stuff that I'm dealing with, but now I got to deal with my best friend too.
0: Right. Yeah. It makes it so deeply personal. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's what, I, I like this, I like the, I really like this movie. Um, Even though act two feels slow to me, I really like just how we get this really deep dive into Tony's psyche and that's what I really like about this. Um,
1: it is slow, but that's the part I like. Like I can't, I can't stand chase scenes and fight <laughs> scenes have to be done a certain, like anything that's supposed to be high octane and have you on the edge of your seat, I'm just like, ugh, whatever, get back to the dialogue. So.
0: <laughs> give me the drama
1: I know I want the like backstory info dump that's what I want I want the training montage I I don't care about the rest of this
0: yeah (laughs) definitely and so at the end of this sequence Rhodes takes the suit to the military and so that's kind of where everything comes to a head with that conflict the the military just has the suit now and so there's some consequences for that um and so the next fifteen to twenty minutes or so are where Tony just needs to get his act together because he's kind of at his rock bottom. And mm-hmm. the next time we see him, he's inside of his giant donut. And Nick Fury comes back to yell at him. <laughs> I love this scene. Please exit the donut.
1: <laughs> yep, Randy's Donuts, L.A. landmark.
0: <laughs> nice. I didn't know there are know a lot of L.A. Real- jokes in this movie. I didn't know it was a real place. That's awesome. It is
1: famous. Actually, the town I live in just got our first Randy's and they actually have this big inflatable donut that's been there for like months. My mom and I took a picture with it because we're lame.
0: (laughs) I want to go get a picture with it.
1: (laughs) It's very good. If you're ever in LA, Randy's donut's very
0: good. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, so, so I, I can forgive this a little bit more because the whole time I keep I kept thinking like why isn't he having a cheeseburger like that is just kind of one of his like things but but I'll forget the donut now like. Now gets a- <laughs> <laughs> um so he has this big heart to heart with. Nick Fury they sit him down in the in the donut shop and Natalie comes back for the reveal that she is actually Natasha Romanoff and she works for Fury and Shield so even though Tony tries to like fire her then she's yeah. like that's not your call you don't get to make that decision so yeah. she's not going to take any crap I love that so Yep nope. <laughs> um so Ferry is just giving him this lecture and says like, you need to get your act together because I have bigger problems than you in the southwest region to deal with. So foreshadowing for the next entire, entire next movie that'll come up. So, um, and the post credit scene. Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the post credit scene is going to give us that too. And so yeah. Um, So he gives Tony this serum that's going to take the edge off of his illness, seeing just kind of how badly messed up his neck looks, like his neck has been kind of the picture of his illness. Um, It's not going to cure him, but it is going to help him out a little bit, buy him some time, I suppose. And in the meantime, we get this tension building between Yvonne and Justin Hammer. So Yvonne's mm-hmm. been building him drones. Justin wants suits that people can get inside. And so they have this conflict of ideologies, which I yeah. love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Ivan drones better. Drones better. People, have, people make mistakes. People, people make problem. Yeah. <laughs> people also, people problem.
1: have joints that can get pulled out.
0: <laughs> Drone better. Drone veterans, so, so they're fighting over this. Um, and at some point in the sequence, Justin gets a look at Tony's suit because now it's on the military base, mm-hmm. and so he, he gets that inside scoop on Stark technology, and so um. Fury and Tony have a conversation about Howard Stark. So again, circling back to that whole legacy theme and Mm -hmm. a big part of Tony's arc is just the relationship with his father and kind of this conflict of, you know, memories of his father and remembering him a certain way. Um, He doesn't think that Howard really um, had a lot of love for him, that he he never told him he liked him. Um, His expectations seem to be very low, but Fury remembers things a lot differently. Yeah. Howard was the founder of Shield and said that Tony could was going to be a big part of you know projecting or advancing us to the future. So, um, so that was a really important thing to remember. Yeah. And we get a little bit of, big, bit of legacy related to the Venkos too. I think this is where we find out that uh, kind of what happened with Anton Venko and why he was such a big deal. That he used to work with Howard Stark. And at some point um, Howard had him deported because he was basically giving plans to to other countries. Yeah. So, so that's what happened with Anton and kind of why Yvonne is so mad, because after that, Anton just drank himself to death. It's like yeah. basically so um I love the return of Phil Colson. We get Colson back from Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> so such a great character.
1: Um, everything I've seen him in, he's a G-man. He just has, he just has G-man face, I guess.
0: <laughs> I love that <laughs> so, so so he's supposed to use any means necessary to keep Tony from leaving what does he tell him like if I, I'll just go watch
1: I'll tase you and watch you drool into the carpet while I watch super nanny something <laughs> like that There's
0: a lot of dated jokes in this one too <laughs> <laughs> I'm like super nanny when was that <laughs> yeah
1: remember super nanny
0: <laughs> yeah so so all of this is going on. Tony's not supposed to leave. He has Natal or he has Natasha now, and he has Coulson He's supposed to keep an eye on him. Um, but for the next ten or fifteen minutes, the next sequence, we get all this stuff about the Stark legacy, and so he watches the film reel about the 1974 Expo. Um, all these different cuts of Howard yelling at young Tony, telling him, stop touching things, mm-hmm. like, don't play with that, put that thing down. <laughs> and so that seems to be how Tony remembers him, is just, you know, mm-hmm. getting yelled at and not being met with a lot of encouraging messaging. Um, but at the end of the reel, he, he gets this encouraging message, like, Tony, you don't know this, but I built all of this for you, and you're the future, and you're my greatest creation. I can't ever.
1: spare you a nice word, but I built all of this for you. <laughs>
0: So, so this city of the future uh, model that he built, um, and um, Tony, or er, yeah, Tony goes to visit Pepper. She's increasingly frazzled by his CEO responsibilities, trying to control the public perception of, of him. It's spilling onto her. I think the Bill O'Reilly's on TV, yeah, being right. like, "Hey, like, why is she qualified to run this company?" And just not being a nice person. Oh, uh, there's a shock, right? <laughs> so. So, so Tony decides he's gonna go and bring her strawberries. That's gonna be his apology for her or non-apology. And, mm. and it turns out that she is allergic to those. That's the connection that he didn't quite remember. He knew there was a connection. <laughs> he's trying. He's trying, yeah. Yeah, that's wholesome. So um and at the end of this, he takes home the model of the Expo, the, the city of the future is um, in that office. And so he brings it home, hauls it back in his car. And I love when Colson finds him there and was like, hey, like, why are you here? And Tony's like, dude, I left like three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> But it's currently not a big deal. Apparently Colson doesn't care anymore because there are bigger things going on. In, in the Southwest West, region. In the Southwest region, back in New Mexico. <laughs> so. Land of enchantment. Yes. <laughs> um, so, using this expo model, um, Tony is able to eventually synthesize a new element for his core. Which, I you know, power to him for figuring this out. It's it's it seems like a very convoluted thing. But, <laughs> um, but This was
1: actually my favorite scene. Well, you like this one. The actually the bit between um, when wait where am I my notes. Um. The the Howard Stark like home movie section when like Fury comes over and he's explaining the backstory that all the way up until about here um is my is my favorite bit because first name. of all, like I said, I, I love a backstory info dump, but I'm a history major, what am I supposed to do? But I also love that in in D terminology he is a combat-based superhero but all of that ability comes from the fact that he's actually an intelligence-based character so i love that his his strategy his strength comes from science and technology and physics and all of that so watching him puzzle these things out is really fascinating it's really fun to watch especially with all the tech with the the um manipulable um diagrams and all that stuff and being being able to figure out what of the expo is the important bits and the fact that it's an atom and not something else and then when he rebuilds the his lab to synthesize this new thing that whole watching him figure that out is to me that's the crux of who his character is
0: that's a beautiful analysis. Yeah, that that was so fun to watch. You know, he's yeah, um, yeah, he's a genius, and we get yeah. to see him tinker with all these things. And um, it doesn't necessarily come easy to him. He says at the end, like that was easy, but you know, we yeah. just kind of puzzle it out. So um,
1: it was easy, but you look a mess,
0: right? <laughs> just <laughs> broke a bunch of stuff along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he builds his new element and this is the one that he's going to put in his court and it's going to heal him. It's just going to be, okay, problem solved. Like that whole part of the conflict is gone, so. Um, In the meantime, the tension between Hammer and Venko finally snaps and they, you know, there's drama with the bird again. Mm -hmm. and Hammer leaves to go do his expo. Like he's ready to go and unveil like everything that he's got going on now. Now that he's had access to Tony's suit and he's had this work from um, from Benko. And so he's going to go do his expo. Um, and so Venko calls Tony and basically challenges him. And and we're getting ready for Act Three at that point. So yeah. So again, Act Two is it's slow, but but I agree with you. There's a lot of just really good um, like character stuff. There's but, a lot of meat in there. There's a lot of meat, yeah, yeah. I think that this is probably one of the reasons why it wasn't rated so highly because a lot of people don't like that as much. as they like the combat? They're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I I really like this <laughs> one. So. <laughs> um, so, Act Three. This is just the the big you know showdown, the big brawls that happen. And so, uh, Iron Man comes back versus Hammer and Venko. All these conflicts are going to come to a head, and so. So we go to Justin Hammer's big expo happening where he unveils his new drones for every branch of the military. So he has a little bit of everything. He has the new drones that Yvonne's been assembling, and he has Rhodes and the new War Machine outfit.
1: Did you notice that Tony actually named War Machine?
0: <gasps> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Tony names them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... So we get our intro to to War Machine, and Iron Man crashes the expo and warns Rhodes that something bad is going to happen. They have to evacuate the the expo. Um, so it turns out that Venko has hacked this War Machine suit that Rhodes is inside of. It's been rigged, along with all of the drones, to basically kill Tony Stark. <laughs> so, so big showdown. Lots lots of blasts, lots of pew pews and flying around. <laughs> um, yeah. That goes on for a while. So um but it's kind of fun when we get to him saving the kid in the iron man mask who feels so confident about you know kind of washing the drone i'm gonna get him (laughs) right (laughs) so um so tony ends up saving that kid and we are told now that this is young peter parker oh yeah so so i love that even though that probably wasn't the plan back in the day at school we accept it now um yeah and and i love that i love that idea so young peter parker enters the mcu so (laughs) Um, uh, meanwhile, Happy and Natasha are going after Vanko at Hammer's site. And so they kick a bunch of butt. Mostly Natasha's yep. kicking the butt. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, um, and when they another get another
1: needlessly sexualized scene. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah that's very fair um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, happy gets like one person right i think he yeah. like finally takes out one person he's like yeah i got it
1: <laughs> i love how he drags tony in the first fight scene about dirty boxing but he wins by like ripping this guy's ear off yeah like, I how is that not that. dirty happy how is that allowed i mean granted he's not boxing but it's also like <laughs>
0: doing the thing that made him so mad in the beginning yeah i didn't even think about that yeah that's hilarious so so they are going after Venko. he's gone by the time they finally get to his little headquarters um he's killed the guards that are supposed to be watching over him um which he could have done the
1: whole time like i think it's funny (laughs) that he just like let them be there for 90 percent of the movie and then was just like "Eh, i don't need these guys
0: i could have left at any time right the end um but Natasha um, gets her moment. She she takes the opportunity to reboot Rhodey's suit. So now he's not attacking Tony anymore. They can finally fight together now. Yay, teamwork. So, um, so all the drones show up, and they're inside the little globe thing at this point. It's like a little park that's inside the globe. Um, all the drones that are still remaining show up, and they and Rodi and Tony get to have their their fight together. And I think this is just a really cool fight scene with them kind of, they're, they're just so coordinated in this. Yep, a lot of um, quips. Definitely. So um, so big fight there. Um, once they finally knock out all the drones, Venko comes back in his huge suit. You know, still got his whips going on, and he's a little more- Really more committed
1: to those whips.
0: Fully committed to the whips, <laughs> um, but I love how all of that is resol- resolved. Where Tony and Rhodes get to, they they pull back of that move that they made in the in the building that destroyed everything, that yep. little sunburst that they made. And like, let's do that again. Let's fire okay. at each other. <laughs> it worked, It worked once. <laughs> so so they do it again. Then goes in the middle of this time, so it knocks him out. Um, and he tells them again, you lose. <laughs> so mm-hmm. That's his big, big thing. You lose. And so um, so we see Hammer arrested. But then after we we see that Tony's lost, apparently, all the drones have been rigged to blow up this whole time. And that's what we didn't know. And so the drones go boom. But uh, as long as Tony flies off to rescue Pepper, and she's OK, then everything else is fine. If yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is one of my issues with the movie is that, like, every, everything blows up that it's just kind of like, okay, we're going to be on the roof and have this conversation. And...
1: Yeah, we're, we're fine with all those other people. Although, <laughs> Pepper did say that she was going to stay until the place was cleared, so I think it's kind of assumed that the place has cleared.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: The thing to me, though, is that when that drone just starts, like, blinking and beeping, and she's just, just like, huh?
0: It's just like, <laughs> girl.
1: Blinking red light is like universal for self-destruct. Everyone knows this. Right. You work for Iron Man. How do you not know? Right. Like if I had seen a, like a red light and wasn't even blinking, I'd have like booked it out of there. Right. You know she can run in heels.
0: So everything's blown up. We get our final, you know, like firework sequence, basically, um, and that takes us to everything that wraps up the movie. And so, in this final sequence, Pepper quits. Her job as CEO, um, she she's done with the stress. Doesn't know whether he's going to kill himself or wreck the whole company, and so she's like, "I'm done being your CEO." I think that's fair. Yeah. So, um, and with that, there's no weird tension anymore, and they can finally just kiss on the roof. So Holy kiss! <laughs> um, Rhodes has been watching them and says that they look like two seals fighting over a grape. So. They kind of do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's um, just so bulky in that suit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and to your point about how the, the suit is, um, you know, constricting and mm-hmm. not, not good for the body. There's a part where like his his mask sort of twitches when he gets back on the roof, and it, yeah. just, it looks like it's gonna snap his neck or something.
1: And I think it's I think it's the uh, the electronics are like shorting. I think that's why his like the jaw is kind of funny.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't be in there. Drone <laughs> are better.
0: Right. <laughs> so um, so all of this has occurred and Rhodes decides he's gonna keep the suit because his car is wrecked. And mm-hmm. I love how he's like, it wasn't a question. I'm taking the suit. So, so But if you was... watch with
1: the subtitles, it literally is a question.
0: Oh nice. Because
1: <laughs> he said, I'm gonna take this, okay? Or something like that. And it ends with a question, and then he's like, it wasn't a question. And
0: I'm like, it was Roadie. It wasn't <laughs> literally, it was a question. <laughs> Um, But that's supposed to be our little nod that he will be back as War Machine, so looking forward to more- Will he? (laughs) Will he? (laughs) It's always a question with Marvin, so. then we meet with Nick Fury again. So it turns out that Natasha has been writing up a full report on her observations of Tony, and so this is why I wonder if maybe she was testing him earlier in the movie. He yeah. like, will you be reckless if I tell you that you can be reckless? Like, are you gonna do this? And, yeah. And so so that.
1: Turned um, out, yes, he was going to be reckless.
0: He was going to be very reckless, and so, so this makes her report. And in the end, she writes up, yes, not recommended for the Avengers Initiative, whatever that means. So, yeah. um, due to all his recklessness, his giant ego, um, and narcissism, he is going to be used as a consultant in the meantime. Right. So, so that's the the whole thing with with Fury. He he gets to stay on, but as a consultant, and so. Um, really cool tie-ins that came up. So Corey mentioned this in our second e- episode um, where the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and Thor all happen within one week. And so if you, uh-huh. if you see the, the screens on, you know, Fury's little area where, um, where they're reviewing the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. report, one of the screens actually shows something about an incident at Culver University. And so that's a nod to everything going on at, in the Incredible Hulk. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Is so- he also
1: oh. in the Southwest region?
0: That's not in the Southwest region. That's in Virginia, Aww. actually. <laughs> so. oh. That would have been super funny because, of course, the Hulk is big. That's true. Yeah, big problems. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so, um, really cool nod to how all of this is kind of happening concurrently. And so yeah. everything's going on in Virginia, everything that we're about to get in Thor, it's all happening basically at the same time. Um, and Corey actually pointed out to me that there's a little one shot, Marvel one shot called The Consultant where we we see how they decide to use tony stark and it kind of makes something at the end of the incredible hulk make more sense where
1: i feel like i've seen that have you seen earlier i think maybe
0: it's like three minutes yeah Um, and so it's colson sitting in you know a little diner and talking about how the the council would like the abomination from the incredible hulk to be part of the the avengers (laughs) And, and everyone's like no we don't want him to be part of the avengers like how are we gonna you know make this how are we going to make this go away? And so they decide to send in the consultant. So Tony is going to go meet with the, the general from the Incredible Hulk because he's just so arrogant and uh, annoying yeah. that he's going to be the guy who, uh, yeah, th- this will solve all the problems. They don't have to yeah. use the abomination anymore. So <laughs> so um, so really cool tie-ins there. That that made that make a whole lot more sense to me because I had questions about the end of the Incredible Hulk the first time I watched it. So I love how all of this wraps up where, Tony's like, you can use me as a consultant, but I have a favor. So so they let Senator Stern get to present Tony and Rhodes with with the medals and talk about how he's a national treasure and Mm -hmm. all of that good stuff. And so he's so clearly angry about presenting them with medals because he uh, it shows that they've won that Senator Mm Stern didn't really have a case the whole time, and so. I love his little line about how it's funny how annoying a little prick can be when he's like yeah. stabbing Tony with a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's his little dig in. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we will see Senator Stern again, and it's going to make a lot more sense why he was just so horrible in this movie, why he was so evil.
1: Um, oh, he's a senator.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's another piece of it. That's that's a fair piece for sure. <laughs> so. Um, then we get our post-credits treat, where Coulson arrives in New Mexico, the land of enchantment. He gets on his phone and shares that they found it, and Mm -hmm. we cut to Mjolnir, so Thor's hammer is out there, and... When
1: I went to go see this in theaters, I was with my friend, but with another friend also, and when that happened, he turned to me, and he was like, Thor! And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) But he was just, like, he was floating all the way back to the apartment. And i was like what are you talking about and they're like they're doing thor next and i'm like was a comic book character that's how new i was
0: us literary people i know (laughs) like
1: thor was already a thing (laughs) okay
0: yeah so um what a fun ride um do you have any other favorite parts or quotes or oh gosh
1: i had i had so much that i that i love like so i know the incredible hulk is in between right but i didn't know (laughs) i didn't know about the incredible i think it just didn't do well is that what it was or it it was too close to the last one something like that it just i just didn't register the hulk as like part of the mcu before the avengers Mm -hmm. that's how out of touch i'm not a comic book person like i've told you the journey so (laughs) i kind of feel like to me and i know i'm wrong literally but to me it felt like iron man 2 was the second movie in the mcu and so i feel like this was the one that set up because not not to get too dark and bring it to a true crime kind of my thing like if you have one kill under your belt you're a murderer if you have two you're a serial killer. so one movie is a murder two movies is a serial killer so (laughs) that's kind of how i felt about this one this was when i was like oh this is gonna be a thing okay (laughs) and at first i thought it was just gonna be like an iron man thing which is like that's a choice but fine but then when (laughs) thor came into it i was like oh Dang. This is going to be like a whole thing. A whole thing. <laughs> a whole thing. So, and then when they brought the Guardians in, then it just got weird. Because before <laughs> that, like, it's not that Thor wasn't weird because he's an alien slash god. But like, you got like weird, weird. And I know they had to because it had to eventually pave the way for Thanos and all that. But it was just like, that took a turn. <laughs> because there's just a whole lot of new things happening here. Because at least Thor looks human. Whereas like <laughs> most of the guardians don't, so
2: <laughs>
1: it was just a whole new thing. Um, I think for me the hardest part about rewatching this one is is the fact that it didn't age well. There's so much criticism for. I mean, obviously the the hypersexualization of Natasha Romanoff and the weird like, almost completely baseless slut-shaming of Christine Everhart. Like, I don't know why every time she's on screen, they just have to be like, she's a slut, which is like, she's also a journalist. I mean, mm-hmm. why, why wouldn't you use the press? You know what I mean? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: no one, none of them, like, Tony, Pepper, Hammer, nobody can talk to her without it becoming, like, slut shaming and gross. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things, that's just like... And then there's there's a little... A little bit of casual homophobia when tony visits um fanko in the jail so it's just it's a couple oh. of those things that are like oh i wish that hadn't happened mm-hmm. but i mean there are a lot of issues with this movie so i guess it's kind of easy to overlook some of those things mm-hmm. but the majority of it is very fun mm-hmm. justin hammer is just the most insufferable he's just the worst at all times <laughs> just so unbelievably annoying yes (laughs) (laughs) and i also kind of like i don't know if you noticed but the fight scenes like that actually involve people like when when tony and whiplash or tony and war machine are fighting it's fine because it's cgi but (laughs) when like the people are fighting it's really weird like when vanco is breaking out that guard just like puts a hand on his shoulder and just stands there and it's like how would you give him your arm like that (laughs) And then like half the guys fighting with Natasha back at Hammer Industries, they're also just standing there, like just waiting to have their asses kicked. So it's just the fight scenes are really strange to me Mm -hmm. looking back, but her choreography was still very cool. Oh, did you did you talk about um, arming War Machine about the scene when Hammer comes out with all of his gadgets?
0: I don't think so. No, because
1: I loved that scene, too. That was like the best writing Hammer got in the whole movie.
0: Yeah, that was his time to shine. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, all of his different, all of his different toys, and the way he described, uh, again, I wish that little torpedo thing hadn't been called the ex-wife. It could have been called a lot of things, but just the way he described it was very funny. <laughs> oh, hardware mode. So when he's rebuilding the the lab to synthesize the um, new element, do we know what that element is called, by the way? <gasps>
0: I don't think so i don't think it was named in this movie i feel like it probably comes up somewhere else and i should know it but i,
1: I yeah just <laughs> weird but um because i mean if the thing is okay so i have a lot of questions so howard stark knew about it but he didn't tell anybody about it they kind of got out of it with him saying i don't have the technology to do whatever but it's like but you have discovered it though
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you're just gonna sit on that mm-hmm. like you're not a chemist though you could tell somebody about it Mm-hmm. But anyway, when they're um, when Tony's remodeling and he says, "You know, we're back in hardware mode." Like that's the phrase I use when I go into macro edits. I love it. Well, <laughs> like I, when I get all my my notes back from everybody, I'm like, "All right, hardware mode." Yeah. So, and sometimes <laughs> I'll like post a little gif on wherever and just be like, "Gotta get, <laughs> gotta
0: destroy this whole thing now." <laughs> Yeah, there's a scene or there's a little comic that I've seen. So I think it's somebody's fan art that I've seen where it's, it's literally just like Tony like laying on his side and he's tinkering and he's surrounded by all these things and it just looks like he's like so in this state of flow and like really feeling it, you know, And like, yeah, I remember posting that one day I'm like, this is how I feel like when I really get into my writing, you know, yeah. I'm really tinkering and like, that's, that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um.
1: Oh, there was another L.A. joke that I wanted to tell you. So when they're leaving the Stark Expo and uh, Tony is like trying to lead the drones away from the Expo and they go through that parking structure and all the alarms go off. Mm-hmm. So in L.A., they have a lot of earthquakes because they're really close to the San Andreas Fault. And so that actually happens. Like there'll be an earthquake and all the karma alarms will go off. And one time a few years ago, we were at Disneyland for New Year's Eve and I'm not a late night gal. So I went back to the car and have a nap, and we were on the top floor of the parking structure, which I believe is still one of the biggest in the world. And I woke up the 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 fireworks started going off at midnight, and it was actually the car alarms that woke me up, not the fireworks. Oh they were so loud, and I was just surrounded. Like <laughs> so I got out of the car because you know fireworks, and I could actually see fireworks like all over the LA area. It was very cool. <laughs> So also, I think one more thing I wanted to point out really quick was when they're in the kill box and Banco shows up and his helmet comes off and he says, good to be back. It mirrors when Tony arrived at the Stark Expo at the beginning of the movie.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow. I didn't think about yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there there are a lot of parallels between him, there, there aren't that many between him and Roadie, but we are. There's already an, a, a relationship established there, so we don't really have to hit that pedal too hard. But there are a lot of similarities between him and um Hammer, and him and Banco, and they just keep driving those home in every opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah, that's right.
1: Very- yeah. So I do think I th- I think this this film is probably I think for me it's probably the most positive of all of them because although actually Thor wasn't that bad but I think it feels like the most upbeat because at the beginning like I said I think it's like the high point of his life because he's on top of the world but -hmm. then by the end of it not only are there other threats but he's beat them Mm -hmm. so you know he's still friends with Rhodey he's got the girls sort of in a weird toxic way (laughs) <laughs> and he's got this new job, and he's taken out Hammer and Banco. so again, he kind of feels like he's yeah, War Machine is out there, but he can reason with Rhodey, mm-hmm. and he can reason with the government, because they've only got one, what are they going to do, wow. so I do think, I, I think that's why I like this one, probably, this one and Avengers are probably my favorites, because it does have more of that, like, summertime feel to it,
0: yeah, I like that that idea, of the summertime feel. It does yeah. feel a lot more upbeat, you know, coming back to this after everything that we have now. And I, I loved when Marvel took the weird turn. Like, that's like my area is like, I love yeah. when we get into like WandaVision and Doctor Strange and just like yeah. all the stuff. But but it's fun to come back to this kind of more grounded phase one and just like yeah. all of the on the ground stuff that's happening. Um, yeah. So Katie and I talked a lot about how, we, you know, for her, a lot of Tony's appeal was just seeing him fail and, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing that he's very human. And so I I would be interested in hearing your take as you know, like Tony is very much seen as kind of the face of the MCU, one of the most popular characters. And so why do you think that is? What do you think his appeal is or what can we take from him?
1: I think on the one, I mean, for me, I love a sarcastic asshole. I just, (laughs) I'm sorry. I love a sarcastic jerk. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear too much. anyway they're swearing in the movie but anyway i i love that he's he's got that kind of wit that i like where it's smart and it's funny and sometimes the jokes don't hit you until later like when he's buying the strawberries from the guy and the guy says are you iron man he says sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's just like why 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 do you have to be like that but sometimes, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of my type so i'm a little biased so <laughs> I think it's because he there are a lot of things about him that are hard to identify with because he is a genius, he is super rich, he does have this lifestyle that is you know beyond what most of us can imagine, but he does still have a good heart like he does he does the wrong things for the right reasons and he does make a lot of mistakes and he does fail, but he learns from them also. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> One of my favorite bits is when Banco says, um, I upped my cycles, that helped. And it's like, this is, you should take constructive criticism. <laughs> like, it's, it's fine to have a healthy ego. But when someone gives you a good idea, don't be afraid to use it. Because, you know, kids out there, if you take constructive criticism, you could be the next whiplash. Just, <laughs> you know, don't close off your options.
0: So to your dreams. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I do, <laughs> he is kind of like, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but if you've watched Gravity Falls, one of my favorite things about Bill Cipher is that he's also this kind of larger than life, eldritch creature that you can't possibly relate to, but he's beaten time and again because his ego is such that he will basically hand you the tools of his destruction. And you just have to be like bold enough to use them or creative enough to use them. And I feel like over and over and over again, but it also kind of gets him out of trouble. So, and like I said, I do like that he is an intelligence based character and that his way of problem solving isn't necessarily just to keep punching things until they die, but to come up with better tech, to synthesize a new element to like, he always tries to puzzle his way around it first. So that to me is a bit more easier to relate to than a purely combat-based, like someone like Thor. Thor has a lot more approachable emotion and personality, mm-hmm. but he is still very like, fix it with your fists kind of logic. Mm-hmm. So I think to me, that's why I like Tony so much is because I like a sense of humor for one thing, <laughs> but I also like that he's his own worst enemy and he has such a huge ego that he can't really have really strong enemies because they can't screw him up worse than he screws himself. Mostly, I just think he's funny. So, yes. I think I think that's a lot of a lot of it because there is a lot of humor in the Marvel franchise. So, mm-hmm. and looking at other characters like Star Lord, like he doesn't do a whole lot, but he's quippy. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Love it, love all of this. Yeah, very good points on the movie and on Tony's life, and we'll see many more appearances from Tony Stark as we keep going through this. Oh yeah. And so, um, but Avon, thank you so much for being my co-host today. Do you have? Thank you so much any- for inviting me. Of course. Do you have any other closing thoughts or anything else you want the listeners to know?
1: Um, just um, uh, go listen to my favorite redhead.
0: It's really funny. Yay. Isn't that <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I want to thank Avon Van Hassel for being real about the dated and sometimes problematic elements of Iron Man Two. This is something the MCU starts to get a little bit better at over time, giving women characters more depth and agency, centering folks from different races, ethnicity, and sexual orientations and other backgrounds, and slowly building a more inclusive universe. We can call it out here. It's slow progress. And it certainly wasn't Marvel's strong point in phase one. Sometimes we can critique a thing's imperfections, and we can love it at the same time. This is very true of Tony Stark himself. He's kind of a mess in this movie. He goes through a pretty intense low point. And what I love about Iron Man 2 is that it deepens his character. It digs at that question of legacy and what he'll do with his brain and his immense intellect, which as Avon pointed out, is central to his core. It's a huge part of his character arc which will continue over many more movies. The next movie up is number four, which is Thor, released in 2011. It's time to get into the cosmic stuff and the gods of the MCU. I cannot wait. Once again, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. In three more episodes, I'll be selecting random winners to receive some cool stuff. I have Funko Pops, gift cards, comic books. And once again, this is sponsored by Presidio Comics. It's always heroic to shop small businesses, but this one has a trove of hidden gems. And if you're in the Tucson area, please check out Presidio Comics in the upper level of the Tucson Mall or shop presidiocomics.com. Until the next time, I'm Jacob Devlin. Go recharge your batteries, watch Thor, and we'll see you again soon. The Quantum Realm has no affiliation with Marvel Studios or any other branch of Marvel Entertainment. The opinions expressed by the participants are all theirs and do not reflect any companies or organizations they're connected to. Thank you so much for listening, and until the next time, be well.